new power is rising. Its victory is at hand. This night, the land will be stained with the blood of Rohan. March to hell's deep. Let's go! James Bond, charming, sophisticated secret agent. <laughs> Shaken but not disturbed. <laughs> to war, boys. To war. Welcome Listen, to you didn't understand that the beacons were going to be lit. The beacons are lit, my friend. Here we are. Welcome back. Shaken Knots Third, the uh, definitive James Bond movie podcast for absolute utter fucking morons getting together on a relatively reasonable weekly basis to talk about the most successful and influential movie franchise of all time. Here we are. We are on the, what, ninth film in the series. Golden Gun was the 13th book in Fleming's series. We've got the end of an era here, a couple of things to talk about. This was the last movie produced by the combination of Harry Saltzman and Cubby Broccoli. Um, Harry Saltzman got himself into some financial trouble, had to sell out his shares. We also have the last movie directed by Guy Hamilton, last script written by Tom Mankiewicz, who have been with uh, almost all of the films until this point. So taking the step from this movie forward, we're going to start to see a whole new world of Bond, singular executive producer, all new directors, all new approach. Uh, Boys, welcome. Welcome. Man with the Golden Gun. And we're back. We're back with the Golden Gun. Yeah, probably the greatest actor as far as villain goes of all time christopher lee the goat sir christopher lee sir christopher lee i'll tell you what golden gun is probably one of my guilty pleasure bond films i love watching this film probably won't score you know as high as some of the others that we've already covered but i find myself flipping to this one pretty often yeah, it's one of the satisfying scenes. Emotional purposes, this is this is one of my personal favorites from a plot standpoint. It makes no sense. Movie makes no sense at all. But I don't care because you've got two great actors. You probably have one of the best Bond villains of all time in the best Bond layer. Your villain and your henchman are a phenomenal tandem. The the scenes with Bond and Christopher Lee are absolute fucking dynamite. You got two great actors, like legitimately great actors, doing good art. But there's no plot, and I just, I don't care. Like, I enjoy a lot of this. There's some really, really big holes in this movie, but still, it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, well, let's roll into plot then. It started strong, and it just fell apart. I did like the idea of Bond being pitted against a hitman who's equally as good at what he does than at what Bond is. Kind of like the bizarro Bond here where... Man with the Golden Gun, Scaramanga is only needs one bullet, right? The whole ordeal, he's, you know, amazing assassin. But the hit gets placed on Bond's head, right? The the golden bullet gets sent with 007 on it. Started off really strong, in my opinion. I really like the scenes leading up to Bond tracing the bullet back to see where it was manufactured, what's going on there. Even into the assassination attempt that Bond didn't really know that it wasn't really for him. And it was, there's a whole other side of this that, gets unfolded here in the streets. I think it started very strong. And then as it progresses, you know, the the wheels kind of just fall off. 
Garamanga's end goal what he wants to have lasers on this remote island like what is his what is his end goal here apparently selling some type of renewable energy technology to the highest bidder plus somebody's yep. also buying a sun laser so right now what's weird is like from from the, some of the stuff that i've seen i have not looked at any i have not read any of the books admittedly but apparently in the book scaramanga is just a dark assassin whose goal is to kill bob this whole plot of sale and money was kind of stuffed in later from the screenwriters to try to make yep. it a bigger thing. And apparently from some of the things that I learned is there was a lot of tumultuity between Cubby Broccoli, Harry Saltzman in the run-up and even during production here. Saltzman was in the process of going bankrupt, getting out. Every other week or every third week, they would have a new writer writing different scenes and you realize it this whole thing feels pieced together or it almost feels like an outline but there was no one person putting together an overall thought process here now yeah, this, I mean, you know, this is like a james bond movie made on like a cockboard listen you get you get the solex introduced right but then like the whole middle portion is just kind of absurd you know you have schoolgirls doing kung fu You've got Bond waking up instead of just being offed right there. And he wakes up and he, you know, fights this guy. Dojo. Yeah, he wakes up in this dojo well, and, and fights a guy who should realistically kick his ass, right? He's like the head guy of the dojo, essentially. Bond just makes like quick work of him. And then the two daughters of uh, what's his face end up no, beating all other Nieces, get it right. They were not daughters. Nieces, right, whatever. So uh, you and took me. I don't know if he was driving to a school party. Was he going to some type of fetish thing? Like, you know, this is, you know, brothers, daughters. Like, they were nieces, quote unquote. They also know Kung Fu. Listen. Even stranger is, in that scene, they go from, they pick, they, they pick Bond up at night, and then they show up to the dojo the next day, and they have yet to change clothes. So why are they still dressed like, like matching schoolgirls? Like, at right. least 24 hours have passed. Um, I'll touch on it a little bit in, like, the chase fight sequence, but I need to make this point clear. Like, the writers here, they're just like, oh, yeah, remember those two things in Live and Let Die that really sucked? Pepper and the boat chase? Well, yeah, let's do that again. <laughs> Terrible. Like, fuck are they thinking? Let's do it again. Yeah, it, like, it was, it was so bad the first time. We're just gonna fuck everyone to do it again. Yeah. Like, sir. But, uh, I mean, I, I'll talk about that in the chase scene, but it goes into my point of the overall plot. Like, that falls in the middle of the film, and it has absolutely really nothing to do with the film. You, you can just cut it all out. I'm a 4.5 on the plot. The plot leaves a lot to be desired here. I don't know if Scaramanga is obsessed with Bond or not. Uh, the open of the movie, there's no showing of Bond, but he's chasing down, you know, uh, a bad guy who's also one of the same bad guys that was in Diamonds, by the way, in case anybody was paying attention. It's the same bad yeah. guy, the same thug from Diamonds is the yeah. guy that gets killed by Scaramanga in this one. He's yep. got a, uh, you know, a giant wax figure of James Bond. But then later in the movie, when they're at the fight, when he's dropping the Solex on the floor, he's telling Bond that he's not even paying attention to him. And we're led to believe that there's no obsession with him. And then he's ready for Bond to show up. I mean, it's... The plot makes utterly no sense in this movie. Like, there's just things all over the place. This one's a big stinker in terms of, you know, in terms of Bond plots here. Yeah. Mike, I was with you. I scored it a five. I agree. I was at a, a 5.0 as well, but I do like how M called this an unofficial mission to get Scaramanga. I think that was the first unofficial mission of the series. 
So the setup was good. Then it was disappointing from there. Yeah, I gave it a 5.5. We all agree the plot stinks. It should have been what it was. And it should have been just Bond versus Scaramanga from beginning to end. I don't know how you could really piece that together, but the whole in-between stunk. Um, it should have just been like an old Western where it was just Bond versus Scaramanga. I agree. If I could have had like two or three gunfights somewhere in there, that film would have been probably, I don't know, top 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. Enjoyable. It has all of the elements to be a top five, top 10 Bond film if it had a legitimate story. You've got some of the best actors Bond has ever seen. You've got some really cool elements, exotic location, but just the overarching weave. You had a decent story. You could tolerate the fact that J.W. Pepper was back, but it just doesn't just doesn't do it. Yeah, the setting the setting's great. It's just the story stinks. I mean, like, what is J.W. Pepper? One, what is he doing in in Thailand? What You're is telling he telling me? He vacations in Thailand. Well, what is he doing then showing up to an American car store to buy an AMC car? No white, no white guy from the South is going in the 70s, is going to just to Thailand for a weekend. And he, did, are, say he, he did say he was a Democrat. With his wife, first and foremost. And the last thing he's doing is going and buying an American car in Thailand to have it shipped back overseas. No, no, no. The last thing he's doing is saying, I'm a Democrat. Like when he's, the little kid offered him the elephant, he made a comment saying he's a Democrat. <laughs> Somebody's a Republican in, on the planet Earth. It's J.W. Pepper. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yep. You're that secret agent. You're the English fella from England. Oh, uh, we'll get into that, Pepper later again. For sure, Pepper is a joke. Uh, how'd y'all feel about Roger Moore in this one? This is one of my favorite Roger Moore performances. I'm high on Roger Moore here. I think his interaction scenes with Scaramanga are phenomenal. I think they overshadow some of the other weird shit that happens. Part where where he's really dark and beating a woman on a bed and then ends up sleeping with her later on. That one's a little cringeworthy, but you know, I, I think Moore really carries a very good performance here for, for me. I 100% disagree with you. I think this was the worst Bond performance yet to date that we've scored. I think, I think Scaramanga and all of, all of the scenes with Roger Moore here completely blows him out of the water as an actor. I think that any, any time that Roger Moore has to drop his infamous Bond, James Bond line is just cringeworthy. And yep. you already, you already touched on it when he was, um when he was, basically beating um, Anders to death on, on the bed, trying to get the information. Like that wasn't a bond move at all. That was just almost psychotic. I hated the performance. I gave him a six overall. He didn't really do a whole lot in the film either. You know, the movie just kind of happened around him. One kill. Yeah. I, it, it's pretty interchangeable with me between this movie and the previous movie. Uh, Roger Moore isn't going to hit his peak yet until the next one. Uh, but like you said, DJ, there's just a lot of cringeworthy scenes in this. At the end, with Knickknack and the fight there, it's cringe. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's cringe. And then the scenes that he has with the women in this one is it's getting to the point where it's like where he's getting older, and these scenes are starting to get cringeworthy with these younger girls. See, I don't fault more on that though. I mean, because this movie in and of itself, and, and there's a, a scene I'll play real quick. 
as soon as they hit the 70s, they just decided that we're going to over-sexualize this movie. Christopher Lee is putting guns near people's mouths, like it's a complete and utter euphemism for, for other things. There's a lot of strange sexual jump cuts in this movie. I don't think he was served very well by the writing. I think his acting is pretty good. Um, minus that one cringeworthy scene, you know, I think his stuff with Christopher Lee is phenomenal. Um, I do. I think it's very, very good. Because I don't fault Roger Moore for it. And like in this scene right here, I think kind of encapsulates the problem with uh, probably all the movies going forward in this era. Bottoms up. I mean, obviously there's a whole scene that goes with that, but I think that clip really kind of tells you everything you need to know about where they're going with these movies. Talks her into sleeping with him. They pop some champagne after he almost kills her. Delivers a classic Bond line. And instead of it being a Bond scene, they just cut to some random stripper's ass. It is completely, you know, Roger Moore is not, I don't fault Moore for it on this one. I fault the staff. I fault the general writing and direction of where this movie was going. I, I gave him a seven. I think that's, Pretty on par with uh, Live and Let Die, and uh, I think I scored Connery a seven and You Only Live Twice. I just, I mean, I'm just not a Roger Moore fan, I guess. I don't know. I just don't see him as James Bond. Adam in a 7.5. For some reason, when I think of James Bond, he's the alternate face, maybe the second face I think of. Probably because he was in seven movies, but I can see your point, Trey. Yeah, let's move on. I'm done with him. I, I hated the performance, so I don't, I don't want to rip him anymore. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's move on to the real highlight of the movie. Christopher Lee. I think Scaramanga is the top Bond villain. Him and Goldfinger, if you're staying on the theme of gold here, are the top two if you're talking Bond villains. I think the performance was great. I think he had a great layer. I think he was – he actually felt a little bit nervous for Bond here, someone that can actually take him out. Um, had the funky weapon, he had the third nipple. It, it, it kind of all molded into a, a good Bond villain here. I, 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 I respectfully disagree on the third nipple piece. It, it just makes it humorous. I don't yeah. understand it. It makes no, like, it doesn't take away from the character. I scored him a nine, but it's just one of those things that just doesn't, it, it doesn't give you anything. So there's no reason for it. Um, that, that's just me on that one. But I mean, but, by far, the best Bond villain layer of all time. For and sure. He, and he had the car that turned the into the plane. Funhouse. Yeah. The funhouse in the car, plane, whatever we want to call it, and a laser. Yeah. And, and, that's got it all. The, and the nipple is so recognizable, Bond had to make a fake nipple to pose as Garamanga. Yep. That's, that's brilliant. He but, also had a giant wooden ship at the end. Yeah. Here's this great assassin who's like like you said, DJ, we're actually kind of nervous for Bond here because they're at equals and Bond shows so much respect for him. Like when M questions him about Scaramanga, Bond knows like every little detail about him. Yep. M had to ask Bond, what is that? And he's like, oh, uh, third nipple. Third nipple. So, I mean, as, as far as like little details about all the Bond villains, the third nipple is by far the best. Of all the well, Bond I mean, Bond. look, you know, if, if you are in a Bond aficionado, probably almost equal, if you say Francisco Scaramunga, you're either going to say Golden Gun or Third Nipple, one or the other. 
hundred percent on equal planes, which is utterly yeah. ridiculous, but it just goes to show the credence of what that, what that does for that character. Yeah, sure. Uh, I gave it a nine. I think uh, Scaramanga is a, like DJ, I think Mike, you said top three villain. Nine. Awesome. I wish we yeah. had him in movies. And I like his, I like his hustle ability. He's having all these guys trying to come kill him. He's just making money, chilling on an island. He's got a girl, just chilling. He's making a million dollars a hit. That's like $5.5 million inflation. Not only is he often these guys on his island, he's often other assassins. So, like, his his price is just going up because, like, there's no competition with him. The guy off 002. Yep. Took out a double O. Yeah. The whole premise of this movie is Bond is investigating the assassination of 002. And he's making, apparently, mannequins of all the people he's killed, Mm -hmm. besides Bond. Besides Bond. He just had a Bond mannequin. Yeah, he just had a Bond mannequin because I guess he had plans to kill him in the future, which don't go so well, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah, but I think we're all in agreement here. I mean, Christopher Lee, absolutely phenomenal Bond villain. I think uh, performance-wise... At this point, he gives the best acting performance of any villain. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I agree. Let's, uh, let's have a look. My name is Scaramanga. Francisco Scaramanga. I feel I know you, although I never thought we should ever really meet. It's a very great pleasure for me, Mr. Bond, thanks to Miss Anders. You have a strange way of showing your gratitude. A mistress cannot serve two masters. A difficult shot, but most gratifying. Well, we all get our jollies one way or another. Foremost intros of our of our real bad guy. Yeah, and then he had a whole opening scene dedicated to him too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, another opening he scene. Nominated that. that does not play any role. We're gonna get to it, but I mean, how many villains at this point had a whole opening sequence dedicated to him? Song included. Song included. The songs, and we're. We'll get to we'll that. Get to it. <laughs> That's yep. a thing. I feel like that's a theme of our podcast. We're going to get to it. Yeah. We'll, we'll we talk about it later. Talking and then we're like, all right, no, 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 no. Classic. That's like, uh, for like the first five years, Jimmy Kimmel had the, uh, the late show at 11 o'clock. He used to jokingly bump Matt Damon every night. Yes. At the end of every single show. Oh, apologies. We couldn't get to Matt Damon. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, we'll get to it later. But, uh, <laughs> A fun fact I was reading, like, when uh, Christopher Lee went to, I think it was The Tonight Show, to do press for the movie, his golden gun got confiscated by U.S. Customs. Apparently, they were not uh, James Bond fans. <laughs> man, I, mean, I can't talk anymore about his lair. His lair. Oh, man. Dude, it's awesome. Instagram models go there, and if you check it in, it's called James Bond Island. Like, yeah, they, they actually renamed it James Bond Island in real life. I, yeah, I feel like the fire Festival could have been at this island. Yep. The only yeah. we'd buy the tickets. Only down, the only downfall, and I don't blame the layer, but I blame the plot point, is like you've got these, you got this beautiful dinner table with plants overlooking the water, and you've got this gorgeous beach, and then you've got this, you know, shooter funhouse. Yeah. But then you randomly have these pools of liquid nitrogen and a fucking laser. Like it doesn't make any sense. Still cool. No, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Right. Solar gun doesn't really make any sense either. Yeah, it's I'm like not, no by, you can't like kill somebody. <laughs> and then he's got that uh that amazing you know that amazing boat too. Like let's not forget about that thing. Sure, absolutely. <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong, 
But I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. <laughs> Amazing. In case everybody was wondering. So glad you use that. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have that and not have a, you know, an old wooden ship. And I, I found it interesting, too. For a movie that, and I find that this one is very, uh, very polarizing among Bond fans, right? There, there's a lot of people that don't really like it for a lot of the reasons that we're pointing out, but there are a lot of people that have a lot of uh, nostalgia or an emotional connection to this movie. This is one that I felt they lifted a lot of, for some of the opening parts of Skyfall, you have Severine, who is basically the better version of Andrea Anders in this movie. Just a, a more flushed out character who is controlled by a sociopath and, you know, wants Bond to get her out of her situation and takes her on a boat to go see him. And he's a, an equal match. Like, a, I feel like a, they, I think they realized how good this movie could have been and they lifted portions of it to create, to create some of Skyfall. And that's just my own opinion. I feel like they took it and actually made it the way it should have been if they did this movie properly. Yeah, I, and you mentioned Andrea Anders. She's one of those Bond girls. Just about every, I guess from this one to Octopussy, she's so much better looking in this one than Octopussy, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But she grows on me every single time I watch Man and Golden Gun, for sure. I think she, she was probably the better Bond girl in, in this film. I think, in yeah. my opinion. Mary Goodnight's a smoke show, but she's a fucking ditz. And what I don't understand about Mary Goodnight, and I guess this will just bleed us into the Bond girl conversation. Mary Goodnight is stunning. Absolutely stunning. Got that classic British teeth smile, but for absolutely beautiful, running around in a bikini. But like, she shows up on time to pick up Bond and is basically throwing herself at him in the car in the opening scenes. Bond totally chooses to ignore her because he's convinced that he needs to go defend or, you know, 002's death or, or, or whatever the, the motivation they gave Roger Moore is. And they then get to this scene where the two of them are sitting down having dinner together. And she, Bond is now realizing that, wait a second, I have this stunningly beautiful woman in front of me and it's going to be some hours before I have to do anything. And he basically just makes some horrific, terrible lines on her. I and mean, she just basically th just throws them off and is like, look, I, I don't want to be one of your one night floozies. Okay, great. And then they, they depart. And three seconds later, the door opens and Mary Goodnight walks through with this tiny nighty on. Bond just lifts the, the bed and she just dives into it. Like, just horrible, horrible character development from, from Mary Goodnight. Smoke show, horrible character development. It's hard to believe that she's a, an agent. Yep, absolutely. It, what a fool. And like, listen, how long has she been on the job here in Thailand? Like, Pretty, pretty. Uh, I'm assuming for a pretty decent amount of time, if she can identify that all the Rolls Royces belong to this hotel, and she's been here for a significant amount of time, knows her way around the island. But what are the qualifications to be in that position? Just have to be a smoke show? Like, what is she? She's not good at really anything. Yeah, I. But I respect her for being stuffed in the closet and going to sleep for the good of the country for James Bond to only seduce. Andrea Anders for Queen and Country. I respect that from Goodnight. For sure. games? Asking you shall receive. Miss Anders, I didn't recognize you with the clothes on. I bribed a bellboy to let me in. Right. I've come to <laughs> warn you. 
They were in great danger. Well, I usually am. That's why I use the old three pillar trick. So moving from Goodnight to uh, Miss Anders. I think Anders is better than Goodnight in this film. Yeah. Um, you know, she she was obviously fearing for herself under Scaramanga, right? Finds Bond, who could be her out, so instantly attaches to him, but equally as good looking, I think. I think um, she's significantly more badass. Yeah, absolutely. As by her intro scene, going backwards in the film. That creep in, man. Great. It's great. Good afternoon. I would probably have the same kind of grin, though. Yeah, those eyes. And look, I'm fully convinced they lifted all these scenes for Skyfall. They're, they're mirror images. Pass me that rope. Yeah, absolute smoke show. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, that rivals any Bond girl scene, I feel like. I mean, I'm a, I'm a 7.0 here. So I'm guessing Mary Goodnight is the top Bond girl. If you flipped them, I think I probably would have been higher in this category. Outside of the fact that she is stunningly beautiful, Mary Goodnight doesn't really give much to you, except for the fact that she kills the one henchman that's hanging around Scaramanga's island by kicking him, by hitting him in the head and kicking him into liquid nitrogen. Outside of that, she kind of is just more of a nuisance in the film, other than looking good. I agree. Total, total death, total clots. Almost kills Bond with the fucking laser between the crotch. I scored it a seven, um, and a lot of that score is driven by Anders. I really enjoyed her. I wouldn't. I didn't really put her in the supporting cast. Henchman. I put her into the Bond girl. Mary Goodnight was nice to look at, so she doesn't drop the score for that. But seven overall for me. Yeah. Anders was a huge factor in my uh, seven point five. Uh, I think we'll see her again, and she'll gain seven more. Yeah, I gave it an eight. Thought it was pretty solid from both of them. Both smoke shows. Mm-hmm. So she's got an octo. Uh, moving on. Guns, cars, gadgets, golden guns. <laughs> yeah, this is where the scores start dropping off for me, honestly. All the gadgets go to the villain. You got an awesome gun. The, probably the best. Yeah. You got the car and plane combo. Yeah, the solar gun. Yeah, it all goes to Scaramanga here, which... Kind of prompts a low score for me, other than the gadget, which is the fake nipple for Bond, which <laughs> I gave it a 4.0. Yeah, I was at a 5, but I factored in that MI6, like the old Queen Elizabeth II sunken ship. That was just a badass, like, good guy layer. I agree with that, Soup. I thought that was a cool cool port uh, for MI6 there. Um, I, 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 I ended up putting that into my score for, for uh, MI6 henchmen, though. I wasn't sure where to put that one because that, that's a cool one. They did a great job with that set, too. Everything's crooked. Like, they did a really good job with that one. They built, like, the halfway stairs, but, again, we'll get to it. I did throw in the guns, cars, gadgets, the uh, the rifle with the uh, trigger in the butt. Bond goes to interrogate Bullet Maker. I thought that was a cool little scene there, even though a little unrealistic. Bond offs this guy. He's got no leads to Scaramanga. So, like, I thought the – you know, his whole his whole shtick was pretty cool. He's just making unique weapons. So I, I threw that in there. I scored it a four overall, Guns, Cars, Gadgets. Obviously, the golden gun trumps them all. Bond doesn't get to use it, so. You're missing, you're missing the most important weapon of the movie. It's in essence, a sophisticated heat beam, which we called a laser. But is it important? We only see it blow up a, a car. Yeah, no. This, I mean, hey. it, blows up, it blows up a plane, but there's actually never plane, a beam. Yeah. It just blows up. Also, what is the distance on that laser? Like, it's a solar-powered laser, right? But they're on a remote island. How far is he firing that thing? Like, what's going on? Any cruise ship passing by. 
And let's also be honest, he describes it as a mushroom-shaped rock. There's nothing mushroom-shaped about that rock. Nothing. Yeah. But the golden gun, that's the gun to have. I mean, it only has one bullet. But the only weapon better than that in Goldeneye is the gold PPK because you got a round of six. You're not reloading after everything. Right. Yep. I don't know. The rocket launcher was pretty cool too. And once again, another movie, bad guys got the best gadgets. Yeah. Yep. That one actually seems realistic to me. And it was matching, matching colors. Yeah. I don't hate I don't hate the car plane attachment. No, I thought it was cool. Yeah. It was okay. I'm with you guys on a form of four point oh. Okay. Supporting cast. Yeah, I think it, the supporting casts were pretty awful, to be honest with you. I gave it a 3.5. I think it's all for comic relief. I think Nick Neck is just there for laughs. I think Sheriff Pepper stinks. Those are the two most dominant supporting cast. I hate them both. And hip. Yeah. Yeah, and hip. And so. sumo wrestlers. I, I agree, Trey. I thought it was a lackluster crew put together here i kind of wanted to enjoy knickknacks interaction with scaramanga but like there's a lot of question marks there too because you know are you led to believe that knickknack really wants scaramanga to get off so he can have the island to himself and like what there's a, a little bit of banter between the two of them about that he goes to try to assassinate bond on on his own that scene was laughable Get yes. thrown case. You can't honestly believe that he's going to be the one that's going to go and take out Bond, right? So, like, why is he even there? Yeah, and if if he gets the island, who's to say some jabroni's not just going to show up and take it from him? And like, right. down a flight of stairs. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, I felt there was a lot of question marks in, in their relationship, which kind of lowered my score a little bit on Knickknack. Hip was a jabroni. Yeah. Hated Hip. Hip's, um, hip's a waste of time. How about the scene when, like, the Solex was actually getting picked up and Bond gets picked up in the police car? He doesn't say anything about, like, hey, dude, I'm on your side. I'm taking MI6. Like, Bond could have just offed him right there in the car or whatever. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't answer any of the questions. He's, he's an idiot. Yes. I don't, I don't like it. And then J.W. Pepper, absolute moron, shouldn't be in this film, shouldn't have been in the last film. Yeah, I don't understand the J.W. Pepper. I'm a little higher on this one than you guys are. I think I like some of the supporting cast. I probably put a little more credence to some of the supporting cast. I love M in this movie. I think this might be one of M's best. In the early scene, M just has no fucking give a shit about Bond. Completely could care less about him until he's like, yeah, I'm going to go kill Scaramanga. And then he kind of perks his ear up. It's kind of a cool little scene. Then when you get to the sideways boat after him and Goodnight have screwed everything up, M just tears into him. I mean, it's the first time in any of the real Bond movies that you see M ever tear into him. There is a phenomenal line that I think is missed where M basically goes, I wish Scaramanga had the hit on you. He basically tells Bond, I wish Scaramanga killed you because you fucked up so badly. M dominates this movie. Money Penny is useless. M dominates this movie. And I love the bullet maker. The scene with the bullet maker is fantastic. Fantastic. I thought, I thought it was a good scene. I thought and the I think those outweigh. And I actually like Nick Knack. I mean, the end fight scene seemed ad lib where he's throwing random wine bottles and he gets thrown into a, a to a luggage. But before that, I think Nick Knack is is actually a very good supporting character. His <laughs> his the scene on the boat is terrible and takes yeah. away from a lot of good things that character does. The mini-me scene with the mini-bottles in Austin Powers was better with the fight. We had a strong supporting cast in the last movie, and I think that was also a slight factor in grading this one tough. I was at a 5-5. Five, five. I scored at a 4. I didn't think there was a whole lot to uh, to drive this score up. 
right. What's next? Our opening scene, right? Knickknacks Playground. Song and opening credits. Opening sequence. Yeah, I think this is the, in my opinion, this is the worst song of them all. I think it balances out because the opening scene is probably the best of them all. Like the revealing of the third nipple, the fun house, all of that is fantastic. And then you got this song that absolutely stinks. I did like how uh, the random henchman was like, oh, Al, wherever you are, I'm sorry, apologizing to Al Capone. Yeah, Trey, I, I don't necessarily think the song's in my bottom five, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. I think it does its job for the opening credits, but that opening sequence was amazing. Again, there's no Bond. There's no Roger Moore in the opening credit. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay not. With that. <laughs> That's fine. From Russia, this is the one time that the villain had the opening sequence to himself, and it, you know, it worked. I, I, thought, I thought it worked great. For I think it sets up Scaramanga to be a a great villain to Bond here. I, I like that. Now, it wasn't until earlier today that I learned they were originally considering a different artist for for the opening song. So I sent that around to you guys earlier. I'll play the opening bits of it now. I think it's night and fucking day. Like, night and day. So this is that song with the same opening credits. I find Alice Cooper's version just exponentially better than, than Lulu's. Exponentially. Honestly, it's, it's okay. It's really the lyrics. It's just awful. I liked it. It told the story of basically the movie. So what I had looked up was after McCartney had such success doing the movie, Cooper tried to preempt. So he found out what the movie title was. And on the album that came out that year or the previous year, whatever it was, he had written this song in the hope that they would take it because they were starting to use rock songs going into the seventies for bond. Ultimately they ended up going with Lulu, which I mean, I think that song stinks. I think stinks. it's stinks. No, stinks. It's just the song. I don't, I don't love it. I don't love the song, but no, I, don't love I, the song think I think there's five other songs that are worse in this, yeah. in, in this bond collection. I disagree. Okay. <laughs> Another day. It, pro- it probably sits at five or six for me. Madonna's song is terrible. You know, I re-listened to a lot of them the other day. After re-listening, I think Tina Turner's is terrible. The Lulu one's probably better than that, but not Moonraker much. Moonraker sucks. Not much. Tomorrow he dies. But again, this is one where the, the opening, where typically the song does justice and saves the opening scene. We've got the reverse here. Because the opening scene here sets up Scaramanga as a phenomenal villain. You get to see his lair. I mean, you get to see it all right out of the gate. you got this great villain. And you've got actually a pretty cool sequence where a few times you have very little left to the imagination. I'm pretty sure in some of these silhouettes there are nipple shots. I don't know how they got that through so censorship, but but it, it's so obvious. I mean, there were male the music shots. is terrible. I had it at 4.0 because the song is so bad. It probably should be higher. I probably, I'm going to amend to a 5.5 because it's a little emotional after re-listening the Cooper version and just how much it could have made the opening better. 
It's just, you know, that opening scene is not served well. It's a weak gun barrel, I think, in the opening. You know, same I like gun barrel, really. a weak gun yep. barrel. Just, That's indifferent. Same, same thing. Yep. Same gun barrel. And the, was, girls, the girls are dancing so offbeat on the song, I feel like. Did you, do y'all notice that? I feel like the girls are completely offbeat. I didn't notice that, but I'd, I'll have to look at it again. That's some fine detail, Trey. I scored it a 6.5 overall, um, and that is lower probably because of the song. I think I could have scored a little bit higher. I did I did enjoy the villain having everything for itself in the opening sequence. I was at a 6.5 as well. I didn't hate the song, not in my bottom five. I thought it worked. Maybe they could have picked a better artist, but it is what it is. Moving on. Yeah. Another Moving on. Another category. Chasings. Fight scene. That car flip in slow motion with the little sound effect. Awful. What? Yeah. And they, they put a two-year copyright or something on that where nobody else could do that stunt. I'll tell you what, Sonny, I'll give you 20,000 baht if you can make this heap go any faster. 20,000 baht! I'm afraid I have to owe you! appropriate to start there that is the uh the one scene of all of bond that roger moore has said is the one that he regrets the most um that one that one so roger moore is one of the the he was one of the uh, leading spokespeople for unicef and when he would do fundraising events there'd be people protesting with signs showing him pushing this little kid into the into the stuff so he got so much grief for it later on being such a goodwill ambassador and there was a really interesting fact that I had read that in this scene, Roger Moore fell into this river oh, twice. twice. Once because he was fucking around, the second because he just kind of fell over. And the second time he decided to open his eyes under the river where he learned that in this village, if you are not a family of means, someone that uh, perished was just thrown and sunk in the river. So he literally opened his eyes to just just a, a field of bodies under the river. And like that's also one of the reasons I believe that he ended up becoming like this big UNICEF, like goodwill ambassador. But yeah, he was just a graveyard under the water. Yeah, that was disturbing finding it. And when I converted the currency, the 20,000 baht, 600 American dollars, not much. Let's get to it real quick. You guys were talking about it. So this was groundbreaking at the time. And the stuntman actually did this in one shot. This was actually, this was done real time, full speed. They actually slowed it down. And this is the one quibble I have with John Barry because that little fucking slide whistle is awful. Never heard of evil can evil. I mean, not even J.W. Pepper could have taken away from that scene worse than that slide whistle, and that's saying something. Exactly. Listen, the stunt was great. For, for yeah. that time, it's mm-hmm. amazing. But the whistle is terrible, it, and J.W. Pepper sucks. I hate him. I hate him. You were uh, the whole chase scene. They took two of the worst parts of Live and Let Die, and they just repeated it here with a freaking boat chase and J.W. Pepper. You're telling me, like, Bond couldn't figure out how to get that boat going on his own? He needed the kid to help him out? Like, I'll tell you what I did appreciate, though. 
I appreciate this dojo scene. Now, it makes no sense how we got there, so let's throw that out for a second. But I love the fact that he cheats against the first guy and just kicks him square in the face. And then this guy, who is clearly the boss, you know, Bond realizes that he's not a match for this guy, right? This guy, he knows this guy's going to kick the other shit out of him. Beating him up every, every sense of the way. Let's just get to it. And Bond just basically decides, all right, fuck it, I'm out. He just dives through the way. No, no, appreciate it. And then we get a, uh, a Mighty Morphin Power out. Rangers fight sequence. <laughs> Schoolboy clothing, sweeping oh. leg, fighting the Telling me they're going to beat a full dojo of men there. Oh. Just, just the two of them, three of them, if you count hip. No. But what, I actually, what I actually appreciate there is that it is recognized that there's no way Bond's going to beat this guy at all, so he just decides, F it, I'm out. I actually appreciate that. Some general realism there, but yeah, this is this is where this whole thing kind of lacks. Do we consider the gun battle at the end a fight sequence or a death sequence? I, didn't, I think it's I both, didn't, right? I didn't put it in my fight sequence. See, I, I did. I did the funhouse. I it as both. Yeah, same. Both funhouse sequences were because this was so lacking in that department. I feel like mm-hmm. I did put that in there, and that's why I gave it a five point five. I scored it a 5.5 also, but didn't include the funhouse scenes. That was just based on on the dojo, the chase. I did I did give it some points for that car flip, even though uh, they didn't they decided to ruin it with the with the whistle. But I thought it was still pretty cool. Yeah, 6.5, same range as you guys. Nothing great, nothing awful, nothing I'm really gonna remember though. Yeah, 5.5 for me on chase scene, fight scenes. Same. I, I think everything's covered. On my point. Yep. Quotes. Quotes are next. Uh, I like to quote where it's like, who would pay a million dollars to have me killed in Amazon? Yes. The, the list is endless. You're Taylor. Yeah. I mean, you know, M, M saying I wish Garamonga had a hit out on you is one of my favorites. It's an underrated quote in this movie. It just shows the dark side of M. Utterly cringeworthy. But the bottoms up sequence with the snap cut to the, to the Asian strip club you know, is one worth mentioning. Yeah, I mean, I thought one of the quotes at the end when I guess Bond was on the phone with M, they were looking to get good night, and he just She's said, coming, sir. "Just coming, sir." Yeah, great. I mean, out of all, out of all, Roger Moore's Bond quips, that was the best one in this film. I thought. I agree. I think uh, Scaramanga had the best quote of the movie, and this movie is dedicated to him. The quote about him liking a girl in a bikini because there's no concealed weapons. Yeah, that was a good one. I agree. Even Andes, when she was like, she's like, I want him dead. Name me a price, anything, I'll pay you. You can have me too, if you like. And she's like, I'm not unattractive. She ain't wrong. Yeah, she was not wrong. <laughs> Actually, Bond's quote to Anders when she comes into the room in, in the clip that we saw. Yeah. Oh, I didn't recognize you without your clothes on. Classic. Yeah, great, great quote. As he's hiding the other chick underneath the, the blankets. And uh, one for Roger Moore's uh, side was when he was meeting the gunmaker with the miscalculated caliber of the scope or whatever, an inch too low. Where he tries to shoot him in the nuts, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Good aim or bad aim? We don't know. Well, that goes back to my point before. Is like, is it really believable that Bond's looking to take shots at this guy? Because this is only lead to Scaramanga, right? So 
I think he missed on purpose. Yeah. I think he was just leading this guy on, but it's still a great quote. A little intimidation, but I agree it was not a kill shot. Mike, you got uh, any other quotes? The M and the, uh, the bottoms up, I think, were my, my highlights here. Low lights, maybe. Great name for a club. Bottoms up? Yeah. Going. I do want to know what uh, game they were playing where they were dropping down from the second layer with the little basket. I'm not really sure. I know you're an expert gambler, and the fact that you don't know, it might be a pie gal. Jordan-esque in gambling. Pie gal. It was definitely not pie gal. I don't know. I don't know what they were playing. Deaths? Villain deaths? Yeah, let's close it out. It was his first straight-up kill by himself, like, directly, so that was kind of cool. Also, it was only kill in the movie, by the way, just while we're, while we're taking count. That is Bond's one and only kill. There's This is the lowest kills of all the Bond movies across the board. I think there's five total, if I remember correctly. Bond and Good Night's total are uh, the same. I put it, uh, five down here for the conclusion of Villain Deaths. I really wish Scaramanga went out in a better way. I don't know if it was a part of me that was just like, well, that was a little bit predictable that Bond was just going to be in the same spot as his mannequin and shoot him that way. But I, I don't know. I was, I was kind of hoping that whole sequence went on a little bit longer. How did Bond know that it that was a mannequin? So apparently there's, there's a number of deleted scenes here. So what's missed on the audience? I did some research on this. And apparently in the deleted scenes, why this is why this makes will make more sense to you is Scaramanga through knickknack and other things would actually cheat in here more than you ever see in the videos. So like as you're going through the funhouse, he cheats more and more and more. So the fact that Bond then poses as his mannequin and eventually kills Scaramanga, there were supposed to be some cheating sequences about how he was manipulating it in the early, and then Bond diffuses that, and Scaramanga is left to his own devices and is walking around scared and eventually gets popped by Bond. But they ended up having to cut a lot of it for time, apparently. So it does not do justice. I think it's a very good scene. I think it's. I think it is a pretty good, well shot, dramatic scene. I'm a six point five here. It definitely could have been way better. I agree. Five point left a lot on the table. Not awful, but I think he deserved a better direct death. Yeah. Listen, y'all covered it pretty much. I give it a five. I think the conclusion kind of drug it out way too long after Scaramanga's death. I think. The movie should have ended pretty shortly after his death. I think the whole scene with Bond posing as his mannequin, like how does he know the direct exact pose as his mannequin previously? I will never know. He just closed instantly. I mean, there's so many so many plot holes. Yeah. You, know, you look past um, it. I would appreciate a better scene. I, it was good. wasn't great. Uh, but I don't know. I think the movie kind of dragged out a little bit too long afterwards. I don't, I don't think it did justice to the character of Scaramanga there. Okay. Like 10 more minutes still where he's trying to get the solar beeper out of the, the space laser and they're running around and Goodnight almost kills him. And then there's the horrific fight scene with Knickknack that I won't subject anybody to in that video. Yep. Yeah, um, I would appreciate to see Bond get shot. I mean, had they, had they moved to just, you know, he kills Scaramanga, they get off the island, and you have the scenes of him in Goodnight where you have the Bond quips with M, I think it would have been just as good, if not better, ending scene. 
They could yeah. have even let Scaramanga live for another movie. He was that good. They could have given him a second. They've let sure. Shit Blofeld live on, but... Right, great. But the knick-knack thing was comic relief. It's okay in Philippa to the movie, but I don't want it at the end. Yeah. That's uh, just comic relief in the 70s. And apparently J.W. Pepper. Comic relief. Awful. It's okay. It's in the middle. I'm glad this is the end of J.W. Pepper. Yeah. Hey, uh, he might be in no time to die. Yeah. Close How out. do we score out? Uh, you want the wrap-up? You got another clip, Mike, or you want me to run through the scores? No, you can you can run through it. I don't want to uh... – I mean, do you want me to subject you to uh, Bond versus Knickknack? I don't think anyone needs to see that. Yeah, I thought so too. Scores here. If anything's changed since we started talking about it, this is updated from you know the start of the podcast. But just stop me along the way, Trey. I've got you here for plot at a five point five, Bond performance at a seven, Bond villain at a nine, Bond girl at an eight, Guns, Cars, Gadgets a four. Song and opening sequence of five, supporting cast a 3.5, chase fight scene a 5.5, quotes 6.5, and the conclusions and deaths a five. It's a Correct. 59 total. Yeah. And then, Mike, I got you here. 4.5 for the plot, eight for Bond performance, nine for Bond villain, seven for Bond girl, four for guns, cars, gadgets, 5.5 for the song and opening sequence. Seven for the supporting cast, seven for the chase and fight scenes, 6.5 for quotes, and a 6.5 for conclusions and deaths. You got it. That got you at 65 total. Does that sound right? That sounds right. I probably, yeah, that, that is right. Okay. And then Soup, I got you for plot at a five, Bond performance 7.5, Bond villain a nine, Bond girl 7.5, Guns, Cars, Gadgets a five. Song opening sequence, 6.5. Supporting cast, 5.5. Chase fight scene, 6.5. Quotes a 7. Conclusion that's a 5. Does that sound good? Is that accurate? You speak the truth. Correct. 64.5 total. And then for myself here, I got the plot at a 5. Bond performance at a 6. Bond villain at a 9. Bond girl at a 7. Guns, cars, gadget at a 4. Song opening sequence, 6.5. Supporting cast, a 4. Chase and fight scenes, a 5.5. Quotes, a 5. Conclusions, that's a 5. 57 total. So, overall, Mike has scored this film the highest at a 65. Supel has scored it the second highest at a 64.5. Trey was third at 59, and I was last at a 57. And like I said, I mean, this film's a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me. I, I still end up you know, throwing this one on when I, you know, feel like watching a Roger Moore film, honestly. And, and again, I think it's important to note that, you know, the scoring system is designed to score the movie against itself. Just because a movie scores lower doesn't necessarily mean it will fall outside of your top five, top 10, top 15, or inside of your top five or bottom five, bottom 10, bottom 15. Um, you know, it, it's to score it against itself. And then we subjectively will put it into into a list as we see fit. Yep. I mean, listen, this one just on the Roger Moore ones was one point lower than Live and Let Die for me. But if I have my choice between the Golden Gun and Live and Let Die, I'm going to put Golden Gun on probably more times than not. Yeah. Unwatch, no real complaints. An all-around good movie. Yeah. It might land in my 15 to 10 range. Am I uh, – 
top 24 rankings of Bond. I don't think, well, but I think it's in my personal favorites. It's near there. I mean, like I said, this, this one's got nostalgia for me. This is one of the first ones I had ever seen. This one's got a special place for me. This could sneak 11, 10, 9, maybe, as I'm re- recalibrating all of these, but probably no higher than that. I was going to say it probably flirted with the top 10 while I was thinking about it, and then now after seeing the score and it fallen below Live and Let Die, I don't think, I don't think Live and Let Die will be up there in the top 10 for me. So overall scoring-wise, you know, I don't think it breaks my top 10, but I still have to get through uh, a good portion of these films to round out my full actual viewing list. But Sure. And uh, in, in pulling quotes, uh, pull quotes, and pulling clips for, for this one, it reminds me that I, I'll probably go on a limb and say that Christopher, Christopher Lee is probably the greatest villain actor of our time. I agree. I agree with you. And, and I'm going to close this out. And, 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 and then again, we have Christopher Walken. It is obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the force. But by our skills with a lightsaber. 